High School Slumber Party AP is a Cage Club Podcast Network production. For all things Cage Club and High School Slumber Party, head over to cageclub.me. That's time no speak slumberers it's been a while for good reason if you were following the show you might have been aware that my wife was pregnant good news here baby actually came early my young little penelope shea was born end of september so you know took my old advice i said it before and i'll say it again life moves pretty fast you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. <laughs> so I stopped for a little bit and took in her first month here. She was in the NICU for a couple weeks, came home after that. I'm very tired, we're very tired, but we're adjusting. So thank you, slumberers, for bearing with me, for waiting, for still listening. I really, really, really appreciate it. You know, it's a wonderful journey that we begin here, my wife and I. We are so excited to see the person that Penelope will be. Who knows how she'll be in high school? Who knows how her teenage years will be? We got a long time before that, though. So without further ado, once again, just want to thank you for still listening. Thank you for letting me have this break. So let's go to this AP episode. Full disclosure, I've been sitting on this one for a while. So thank you, Island, for also waiting for this episode to come out. Can't wait for you to hear it and can't wait to record with Island again. Ugh, it's going to be a good rest of the year and it's going to be a good 2024. Thank you. Welcome slumberers who take their studies a little more seriously. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Islam Addington. And this is High School Slumber Party AP, a study session in contemporary teen films. I'm always trying to like say it differently. And sometimes I get in my head. So apologies if I slurred any of those slumber sentences. But your assignment today was to watch Yes, God, Yes from 2020. But before we chat all about that, we have some homework to discuss. Absolutely. Please hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us right now. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And again, class participation, guys. Huge part of your grade. So follow that High School Slumber Party on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Follow us if you'd like on social media as well. And as mentioned today, we're talking a film called Yes, God, yes. 
So before uh, you read that little summary, Aislin, just want to mention that this was a film that really inspired me originally to be like, I need to talk more modern movies. Okay. I did that 2020 teen film review. Now, this was December 2020 when I was watching all those films. So, you know, you can imagine where we all were psychologically. And I had realized while watching them that so many of the movies that were supposed to come out for theatrical release were not able to for obvious reasons because of COVID. And a lot of them were sort of scrambling of like, how do we do this? Now I feel like if things have theatrical releases, especially independent things, they're short-lived and then they're streaming really fast. And we've kind of adapted to a more modern, you know, streaming culture, if you will. But at this point, that was pretty rare for a movie to be straight to streaming. Netflix had a bunch of rom-coms that were doing that and films here or there, but it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the norm. Yes, God, yes, is one of those films that sort of got caught caught in that loop of, okay, we have this project. We're really excited about it. What do we do? So I'm excited to finally get a chance to discuss it with you, Aislinn. Um, Had you heard of it before? Uh, I guess maybe I mentioned it to you once or twice. Um, yes. I, yes, God, yes. <laughs> my, so my brother uh, of, of the contenders and you know, way back the uh, cage and the Keanu of it all. He uh, sends me, I mean, I would love to say we do it back and forth, but honestly, it's mostly just him sending to me trailers when he sees something that he thinks would be of interest to me slash us. And this is something, um, you know, without getting too far into it at this point, there are other films that have some similarities that are that are favorites of mine. And so this was something that he had uh, sent me the trailer of just to be like, hey, this is coming up. And then, as you say, um, COVID happened and it didn't come out. uh, And then you and I talked about it when it was still on Netflix. Now, unfortunately, it's no longer on Netflix or not currently on Netflix, which which is a bummer. But it is it is findable. Yeah, you could rent it in most places. There's a reason why I don't have a lot of money at the end of my paycheck cycle, and it's because. I am subscribed to a lot of streaming services that I don't realize. Um, You're streaming a few things. Yeah. So you can find it on, on where you're connected to stars. Yeah. I was like, oh, let me rent this on Amazon. It's like, oh, why is it playing? Oh, I have a stars subscription on Amazon <laughs> that I did not realize and haven't used in months. But it, it was positive today. <laughs> Speaking of Netflix, I have pulled up the Netflix synopsis, even though it's no longer there. Yeah. And it was on Netflix for a while. So There's a good chance that if you saw this movie, you probably caught it there. Um, So according to Netflix, yes, God, yes. Alice, a straight-laced Catholic student, discovers more than she bargained for after an innocent AOL chat turns racy. Seeking redemption, she attends a mysterious religious retreat to try to suppress her urges, only to come face-to-face with everything she's been trying so desperately to avoid. Ooh, I think that's a good one for Netflix. It's good. I think the only other piece should have been to for the synopsis to have set it in 2000 because that makes a huge difference right because in 2000 an innocent aol chat turns racy was something that happened the 2000 of it all is really important and i think another important thing about this film too is it's based on a short film from 2017 karen main is the writer slash director she was a co-writer on that film obvious child 
obvious child. The short film was actually a proof of concept short film. Um, you know, we hear a lot of short films that then get turned, not a lot, but some that get turned into feature length films. She had always known she wanted to make a feature length film. She had wrote the feature length script. A lot of the actors in that 11 minute short are also in uh, the long version. I say long version. This is actually a very short film, 77 minutes, which is great. I love which that. Fine. Yeah. I thought it was quite digestible. Absolutely. So she sort of had a name in Hollywood, was able to get this done after people saw the short film. It The short film went viral in, you know, certain circles, right? Like film circles. The, the circles you needed to go viral to if you want to get a movie made. It debuted at South by Southwest in 2019. And as I mentioned, was set to debut in the theaters in 2020. Things happened in 2020, as we know. So not a lot of behind-the-scenes information in the usual places for this film. Had to dig a little deeper, look at some articles uh, from South by Southwest. And at that time, um, Karen Maine said this is very much an autobiography. She grew up in the Midwest. She had a sort of... Uh, she didn't even really want to use the term sexual awakening because she really saw this film... Yeah, I mean, yes, that might be true, but she saw this film as a comedy. Um, she... I forgot what film she cited. Oh, she cited There's Something About Mary. And she specifically said, I didn't understand why male masturbation was funny. And when mm -hmm. a woman did it, it was always positioned in a way that, again, I'm paraphrasing for her, but it was more serious and more drama, right? Like she very much wanted this to be a yeah. comedy. I just, I sorry to interrupt, I, uh, but it's just funny coming into my room because I just had this discussion with someone it's from the um, the movie. This film is not yet rated. Mm, I haven't seen that one. Oh, it's I. I mean, it's old now, but like you absolutely should because they. Well, he gets like a private eye and like tries to find people that are in the MPAA because it's all shrouded in mystery, right? But then they have writers and directors talk, and they had the director of Boys Don't Cry on talking about how they were refusing to give a rating because of a scene in which uh, Hilary Swank's character, um, I don't like that this is the verb, but it is, performs oral sex on Chloe Sevigny's character. And like, that was not okay. But all the violence at the end mm. was fine. And just showing this like, you know, women's pleasure or, or um, women's sexuality is so like, we must absolutely continue to shroud that but you can have explicit hate violence in a story and that'll be okay so that's just remind me of that but i do think it's a it's a documentary worth watching for sure yeah definitely uh, now that you know you jog my memory of it and it's definitely been recommended to me in the past i, I want to check it out her elevator pitch by the way for this film yeah karen main yes god yes was a love story between one woman and her vagina I love that. See, I would invest in that any day. <laughs> yeah. So again, I suggest, you know, Googling some articles, especially specifically interviews with her, because she's very passionate about this project and passionate about like the tone uh, it set. Again, she didn't want to make it too preachy and ironically and pull, you know, it, this is a movie that where religion is a, is a big, you know, part of the story. 
but I, I think she really succeeded when it came to that. Let's talk about the cast because I'm just chomping at the bit and I'm sure you are too, to discuss the 2000 of it all and a bunch of other stuff. And don't want to skip this really? cast here. Uh, Natalia Dyer plays Alice. I think a lot of people know her from Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Not that we've been doing the show a while, but kind of, right? Because I saw a picture of her recently or a video of her recently. And I'm like, oh, that's clearly a 28-year-old. But then when you go back thinking that, from 2017 she was actually in the short film as a teen right if it's debuting at south by southwest in 2019 she's still fairly of teenage here it's just like think a lot of maybe stranger things fans or netflix watchers or just people in the culture this is one of these people that like you've kind of seen for a lot of years now so i was like oh wow she's a little old for a teenager though like, wait a minute you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I believed it wholeheartedly. I think also just her and and, sh- and she's fantastic in, in Stranger Things too, thinking specifically about the, that first season. Mm-hmm. I think she she has a really great curiosity and discovery face. Yeah. You know, I guess I should just say she she has a great expression as an actor, but her her eyes are so round. Um, and I I feel like she's does such a great job certainly with lines but like in the non-verbal parts and there's a lot that's not verbal in this movie that um that and she just seemed so slight like just so tiny in this movie that I also that read to me as high school where different people are kind of in different places and you might have that you know camp counselor dude that has all his adult (laughs) arm hair uh (laughs) next to you know young people that are still fighting their way through puberty sorry about that oh good that's something we sort of forget when we watch these films i'm glad you you hit that point like if we were to walk into a high school today people look vastly the the teens look vastly different just different stages of maturity and growing i mean people look vastly different in general i'm not saying that for sure and this to me felt very like sophomore and senior yes or maybe even freshman and senior so we've got our, our lead character, Alice. Ooh, yes. So the next person build is Timothy Simons as Father Murphy. I knew him from Veep. Um, what yes, do you think indeed. of his portrayal here as, I guess, the lead priest here for the camp and the school? Yeah. So, yeah, growing up Catholic, this to me was very an interesting sort of combo because there's, of course, a lot of the Catholic sort of tropes in it, but the the uh, we're cool we're (laughs) bonded together guitars are on a campfire to me feels much more protestant and more like lutheran church camp and because i grew up catholic and then went to lutheran college it did all meld together for me in my brain of like i've seen all these things right (laughs) but yeah it was interesting that it was catholic because there is like often that distance between the young people and like the priest. Um, and so like when he's wearing the sweatshirt and he's like in the, you know, in the mix, uh, <laughs> doing a, a little bit of that, like, I don't know, but still it was never the like youth pastor thing. Like he kept his priestliness. I think the way, well, I understand it was a comedy, but it was infuriating in a lot of ways because we know these things are true. For instance, when like the priest brings up the rumor to her. Yeah. 
like, are you kidding me? And then the way that she sees that the other person involved in the rumor is um, uh, being given attention. And, and that I think we've seen, I've seen in real life and I've heard in interviews that I've done because of grad school stuff of like young men are fast tracked. You know what I mean? Like if you are somewhat outgoing, somewhat attractive, I don't even know if we need to say so, somewhat intelligent, maybe not like you will be fast tracked to leadership, right? Cause you can bring in others. And so there's in addition to the misogyny that's built in, then there's that, like, we're looking for the next cool guy, Chris. Um, I have gone on a tangent now because you're right. I just want to talk about this and go back to just the priest. I thought he did a great job at being scary, uh, at being authoritative, at trying to be a little bit cool and like welcoming. And then certainly when there's comeuppance to be gotten, I, I think he played that really well. Yeah, no, I, I echo. All Sorry, the... I went way off. <laughs> no, no, because I there's so many tangents I want to go off of also being, you know, raised Catholic. And I, I mean, I think it's fine to talk about the priest aspect of this here. Yeah, it, how how is he for you? I think he does a really good job of, of what you're saying. Um, always having that distance, even when he tries to be cool, it didn't feel like he was truly, he truly felt like an equal to everyone or wanted to feel like an equal to everyone. And I think that is something that is, I don't want to say unique about the Catholic church, but just different than other Christian camps that uh, I've heard of. Right. I do recall at the time, because I think this sort of 2000 puts, it's a good time for both of us to talk about when we talk about our own high school experiences, it's like right, right there between there. And I think that was a time in the Catholic church Maybe it still goes on today. I'm not sure. But they they were seeing the success of a lot of Christian camps and outreach and youth organizations and trying their best to take this ancient organization with weirdo ancient rules, you know, just to be frank, and trying to bring it into, you know, the turn of the 21st century and like that outreach. And there was still to me growing up in that faith still to me a disconnect between that, which by the way, I was fine with. So I remember being, I guess, in CCDs and, and going to church and all things like that. And I remember a lot of friends, you know, signed up for youth group and they would do things like this. I didn't go to Catholic school to be clear, public high school. I went, I went to Catholic university, but it was not a strict Catholic university. I mean, I think we had to take one. I think we had to take two theology classes. One was a Catholic theology class. And the second one was any religion you yeah. wanted. Yeah. So regardless, I didn't have that sort of upbringing. My parents did, my mother did specifically, but um, a youth group always like freaked me out a bit. And it wasn't even <laughs> like, it wasn't like the religious aspects though, even it was like this sort of campfirey, potentially guitar-y. Um, yeah. I guess there's certain religious aspects that freak me out about it, but I, up until I realized I became an adult, I was very uncomfortable speaking to adults who weren't my parents or family. Like I did not seek out connections with adults. And I think that's what really creeped me out about it too. So just back to this priest character, like this is basically, I know how I pictured a lot of adults, like that kind of distance. Yeah. That's what I felt. So I really connected to it is my long answer of the point. <laughs> 
No, that's a, that's a great point. And I, I agree in a lot of ways. Now is not the time and place, but if somebody wants to hear uh, my confirmation uh, story that includes me making an appointment with the priest one-on-one, uh, I will tell it another, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk over Instagram. But um, yeah, I thought he was great. The other cast person that, I mean, certainly there's there's more teenagers too, but the other adult, the Mrs. Veda, mm-hmm. she wasn't a, a nun because she was pregnant. I, I wasn't sure if she was a teacher, but in any case, Donna Lynn Champlin. Yeah. I don't know if that's how you say her last name. She's fantastic in uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah, I saw that she she was in that show. She's amazing. She's so damn good in that show. And this was a very, I mean, I, I think she was great in this too. I think it was sort of so understated that you could have a retelling of the movie without having her in it. But I think that's good. You know what I mean? I think she fit seamlessly into the world. She, she was just, you know, harsh enough and judgy enough. <laughs> yeah. But, but we didn't see her be, um, I don't want to say it wasn't a caricature. She wasn't cruel for the sake of being cruel. She was do well, except I think when she changed, changed up who was going to be serving at, at the, um, at the mass, but like, she was very much that I'm following the rules person. Yeah. I think she was a really good, like sort of like church lady. Like you see these people in um, churches or or Catholic schools uh, specifically. She reminded me of a lot of people growing up, like specifically in like a CCD education, Um, you know, someone who'd be like a a teacher too. And we know what CCD means, but that's just the Catholic word for Sunday school. Yes, I actually, I thought you were going to be like, what does it mean, Brian? I'm like, crap, what does it stand oh, for? Oh, yeah, no, I don't know. But it's, <laughs> yes, it's, thank it's, you. It's it's the Sunday um, or like a Tuesday night sometimes or whatever, but it, it's just Sunday school. Yeah, I'm sure one of the C's is for Catholic. <laughs> wow, that's very bad of me. But um, in a sense, love, you know, we don't have to go through all our s- stories fighting with the church or not fighting with the church or whatever. But recently um, my friend, you know, wanted me to be the godfather of his child. And I was like, oh, what an honor. Sure. He's like, okay, so my church needs you to get a form like signed or something by. Oh, see, I'm picking you. I'm picturing you showing up in your godfather accoutrement. Mm. I wish. I took it a different way. I took it Uncle Francis way. Yeah, no, trust me. That was. It was a tremendous honor, Anthony, especially in an Italian-American family like yours. But as we were covering The Godfather at the time on Uncle Francis' wine cellar, I was doubly excited. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Regardless, though, I I bring it up because I just had to get some form signed that like, I was baptized or something like that. Because um, the godmother was not a Catholic, and I think one person has to be. I don't know the rules. I do know the rules if you're the church listening. Um, (laughs) But regardless, so I called and tried to get it. And a lady like this, we'll say, picked up the phone and was super nice, but judgy. Like I said, like super nice. Like, so now you want to be affiliated with us. Kind of, yeah. And then the one ding I had on me is that I was not married in a church. And she told me that... I was not allowed to be the godfather of this child. 
This is how they keep losing people. Well, that, yeah, I mean, that's in all the, the large scale, you know. <laughs> yes, but I, and just to end that story quickly, you know, I, I complained to my mom, I complained to other people. I was just like, you know, I wasn't thrilled with it. And she told her friend, who's like my brother's best friend's mother, who still goes to church regularly. And she got really pissed for the exact reasons that you, you just said. It's like, oh, this is. You want younger people in the church, but you, like, are disqualifying for the easiest reasons. And she apparently, like, there's a young priest at our hometown church nice. now. And she apparently reamed him out. And he sent me a Facebook message. And he's like, hey, I'll get you that note. Don't worry about it. So, again, I only bring up these little stories because these little characters in the background make sense to me. And Absolutely. The, I agree 100%. <laughs> the little politics of it all made me chuckle at times while watching the film. Um, just other cast I wanted to mention here. Uh, Francesca Rialli, who played uh, Laura, her best friend. She's also a character in Stranger Things. So they uh, knew each other from there. I thought she was okay, really she great. She looked very familiar to me, but I couldn't, I did not do the research to place her. And Alicia Bow, who played Nina, um, is from that show 13 Reasons Why. So some recognizable faces there. But, okay, the one guy I really want to bring up was um, Chris. the Cool guy Christian Chris. Yeah, cool guy Chris. I don't want to get into his personal life here because I don't really know it. But he had a run of, like, teen films between 2018 and 2020. And then, like, never was in anything again. We'll talk about him again. He was in Assassination Nation, which is, again, by the, the creator of Euphoria. Um, Sierra Burgess is a Loser was a Netflix film from 2018. Yes, God, yes, here. The Last Summer, which we covered already. We did cover that. Apparently he was one of just the himbos in that, right? And, uh, <laughs> the half of it, which we definitely have to cover as well, with this film, like, again, what a run, and then nothing. Maybe he went to college. Perhaps he went to college. Perhaps acting wasn't for him. This is not an indictment on him. I don't know if this is true. I wasn't going to mention this, but I feel like I should. Maybe I'll cut it out of the episode. But um, I did look up his family, and they're, like, very, 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 very wealthy. Um, so maybe he's just like, you know what? I'm rich, and I don't want to work. So or, or maybe or maybe he has an opportunity to invest in something different. Yes. That's a nicer way to put it. <laughs> so who knows? But I do want to give him a shout-out for what a run of, like, sort of independent teen films of the era. So... Well, I mean, he played this part to a T. I, again, having this felt much more to me like my Lutheran college, mm. where like there were a couple of, of dude RAs that were very much this welcome everyone, hug everyone, meet everyone multiple times. There's one person in particular that we eventually became friends, but we, I, gave him shit about it a long time because he met me like six times you know what i mean like, <laughs> hey, nice to meet you what's your name you know like because he wasn't actually connecting he was just doing that performance of nice christian guy <laughs> he would yeah it, so he reminded me of those guys that then were very careful about physicality so there were a lot of hugs or side hugs side hug and there was like some I don't want to say like wrestling or like basically when I, for women who had young women who had boyfriends, he would be more physically affectionate with them because it was like safe. Right. Oh my because God. They, yeah, it was, it was wild. 
but that Abercrombie style, like yes, tall, square jawed Dawson's Creek, like he just and the necklace and like it just oh, Chef's Kiss. They just did that perfectly. Like he said her name three times <laughs> when they were in the lunch line together. Like it's just so the tactic. And shout out to Wolfgang Novogratz. That's his name. Uh, who, who of the Novogratzes. <laughs> yes, apparently. Um, oh, man. So many points I want to touch on. I'm sure there's so many points uh, you want to touch on as well. Um, but the other thing that just it just brings me back to childhood pre-internet discussion, because we're going to get into that, specifically like church youth groups and things like that. My friend was very involved in the youth group. And um, he, they would do these retreats and, and lock-in. There was one that, looking back, is so eye-roll. My town uh, built a beautiful church. They had an old church. They built a new church. And it was on this gorgeous campus. That, that's what it felt like that viewed a, a lake, right? And I, I bring it up because it's a relatively safe town in New Jersey, it's on a protected campus, and they decided to do a How the Other Half Lives experiment, this youth group, to show, oh, what it was like to be homeless, these, you know, rich oh little kids. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's Tyra Banks in the fat suit. <laughs> oh, my God. No, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but they slept in boxes outside on church property. It, it's so cringy to say now. But it was like, you see, that's what it's like to be homeless. And Oh, my God. Regardless... I bring it up because teens are teens and they have been since the evolution of humans, right? You can't fight those hormones, right? Obviously, you know, we'll get into that. But the hooking up that was happening at this box retreat that my friend told me about was just stuff of legend back then, right? And it just, you know, it just reminds me of this in a sense. Like, yes, these teens, they, they're all pious. And I think a lot of them genuinely believe what they're saying but you know sometimes you just can't fight teens being teens and that's the whole thing you can't disconnect sexuality from humans and that's you know certainly what we're seeing in this movie it's what we're seeing right now in you know some of the hateful legislative things coming out like it is part of of who we are as people and you can't just carve out that aspect of humanity or ignore it or stifle it, you know, it's, it's going to come out. And if you don't, um, if you're not sort of educating the whole person, then that's where you're going to get, you know, people feeling desperate and, and without choices. And, and that's, I think when it gets dangerous, I don't have a box retreat, but I did want to say, um, went to a Lutheran college. And so then there were a lot of camp counselor jobs, right? That mm. Students from my college would do over the summer. Yeah. So, and, and like all different camps came and like advertised with us, right? Because we are all at a Christian affiliated college. And so I called it all camp say a prayer. Um, <laughs> and the nudity amongst the counselors Ooh. at camp say a prayer, right? They would have students come in. I don't even know what it was, probably like Sunday afternoon and then like leave Friday morning or something. And so they had the weekend to turn it around. And as soon as everyone left, all the counselors stripped down and ran to the lake naked every week. 
Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so Christian. Caligula. Um, right. But I mean, that that's again, and it's, it's not the same thing, but reminds me of the situation in this film with, you know, the priest behind closed doors turns out he's a human too. Um, and is using the internet uh, for masturbation purposes, which again, people have done since the internet happened. Right. I mean, it's like, it's not, if you took away the role and just said, well, I mean, it's at work, so that's gross. But also, it's at work and he works with children. Those are the two priests things. Priests often live in houses connected to. So let's go full benefit of the doubt and say in your home office, you are using, you know, the internet to look up explicit material for self-gratification. Like, fine, not a problem. But you know what I mean? Like the it in and of itself, there's nothing. I mean, yes, there are some morality arguments around um around that but like it's not uncommon no no it's a priest it's during camp it's at work anyway no and i think um you're hitting on a really good point this movie on paper might seem like super anti-catholic church and things like that but i think if you grew up Catholic and you're a Catholic listener out there today, I still think you'll find a lot of fun and humor in it. Like Mm -hmm. nothing is terribly, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I missed something, but nothing terribly illegal is happening in this film. Right. No, I I think the commentary is on the culture, which shows up in any restrictive environment. It's not saying the Catholic church is bad because of this. It's saying when we repress humanity is going to come out in other ways and it's going to be so detrimental potentially so detrimental to the people that you're you know uh which we certainly see with alice but i think we also see with cool guy chris like he's scared to death of his own erection (laughs) which is hilarious and i i love the power dynamic there you know what i mean like when she then sees him again in school and she's like it won't happen again. I didn't read it as anti-Catholic. I I read it as anti-repression, um, which Absolutely. happens in a lot of places. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of our favorite moments here. I mean, th- this beginning is, is uh, hilarious because it starts off with like a passage, uh, just a text of a passage from Revelations. And then it's uh, the definition of toss salad, both, both definitions. And oh my gosh, that was such a strange, <laughs> to me, it was such a strange, uh, what do you call it? Like, it's not the button of the joke, but like, it's sort of the the cog that the wheel turns around. Like, it's at the beginning, it's in the middle, it's the end. Yeah, it was, it was there's a, a film term for that. But yeah, I, I don't remember what it is, but you're absolutely right. Like, what a what a way to to hinge things off of a little bit. But I totally get the concept of someone saying something and you not knowing what it means and you just denying it. But it's so absurd. I mean, I know this is the point, but like none of the people involved knew what it meant. Yeah, clearly. Right. Like, not you know, not to get into the weeds about it here. So, but supposedly at a party, she was briefly in a sauna with some guy. I think they say just for like a couple Wade. of seconds. Wade. Yes. Wade. Yeah. And we see Wade, and he has a very pious girlfriend. 
But it somehow implied there's a rumor going around that she tossed Wade's salad in the sauna for this brief moment that they were there together. Logistically, that's impossible. <laughs> there's no way. There's just no way. <laughs> it's also, I mean, I call me naive, but I don't think that's on the list for like 14 year olds. And let's say, let's say it is today, right? I doubt that's, hi, nice to meet you. That's what you're jumping into, right? Like, yeah. it doesn't seem like that's a let me sneak off in a party, do that. Okay, let's go. No, just absurd. No shaming if it is, but I don't see the logistics of it either. Um, <laughs> so, what are some of the scenes that stuck out to you here? What are some of the moments? Do you want to get into the internet thing now? Yeah, let's talk about internet. And then and then we do have to come back to Wade and the weight of it all later. But um, AOL Instant Messenger was very f- familiar to me. I, I used it a lot in high school. I felt it was very efficient because I could talk to multiple people at once instead of having multiple phone calls, which had been like up to that point, you know, how we would communicate. I was not a person who went to random chat rooms. That was something very early on, I think, because my dad was quite tech savvy that was like, no, like you can only talk to people that you know who they are. So that kind of the randomness of it, I was not participating in. Uh, Were you? Oh, unfortunately, like my parents were a lot less tech savvy and I was probably the first one. I'm the oldest in my family. The first one, like tech savviness or literacy, we'll say, if you will, yeah. of, of that kind of stuff. Um, it definitely was not policed enough in my household just because they didn't know. And this movie, the first time I saw it, and even this time, was very triggering for some very dark stuff. Um, I can laugh about it now because I think I turned out fine. But mm-hmm. like, I used to just jump in those chat rooms, talk with random people, and they le- they're legitimately... I'm not laughing at this part, but there were legitimately were pedophiles in there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like they, they were legitimately were older people who had tried a side conversation with me, talked to me, and looking back, I'm like, oh, they were trying to, you know, because right now as an adult, I cannot see a reason to message someone randomly, ask their age, sex, and location, ASL. And ask for pictures. I mean, we know now, right? And we are also in a culture where you know, sending explicit material back and forth is part of, you know, relationships or mm-hmm. I don't know if relationship is the right word, but certainly part of hookup culture. But this, the the anonymity and the taking advantage of young people, it was like the Wild West. In truly, truly. And that phrase gets said a lot. I was going to say it too, right? But it is true. That early internet culture was very much like the Wild West. I mean... It was educational in a sense because, like, I remember going into a chat called NYC Bears and not knowing what that was. You know, like, oh, okay, that's what that is, right? Like, <laughs> that's so adorable. I would. That's what, actually what I was going to say. For um, a couple of friends of mine uh, in the LGBTQ community, the freedom of that online world certainly the. the um, the dangers were also there, but there was the potential for community that was not available in or not as readily available in where we were in, you know, small town Montana. And so, yeah, there's still I mean, I just think of it as like, God, dodging, you know, 
uh, exploitation landmines, but you know, this way and that, but certainly to talk to someone else who, you know, felt similarly that to you or, or had experiences similar to you. I think there, there definitely was, it was important in community building uh, at that time. And, and the wild west nature of it maybe uh, allowed for that in the way that other forms of community building didn't. So I just to, to shout out a little bit the potential positivity, but also still scary to think about in terms of giving away information or, or pictures of yourself or even just, you know, your location or meeting people, right? I think that came pretty quickly. It was like, don't meet people somewhere if you're a child. Absolutely. Um, and, and you hit on a really good point when like Steve Case has his backwards hat and he's coding AOL and he's like, oh, this is going to be awesome. He's not thinking I'm making a playground for pedophiles. He's thinking I'm connecting people who were not able to connect before, like-minded people, people who are interested in the same thing, who can build a sense of community for the first time and say, hey, I am not alone in this, right? So there mm-hmm. is a utopian idea of this, but right. now we've descended into Twitter and all things like that. So, uh, Well, but I think- also let's think about you know that scene that scene for her and Alice like there's an extent to which there's absolutely some naivete there but I think she plays it so well too and she's the way the computer is positioned was always very important you know I can picture what direction I needed to look or where I needed to listen before I looked at something (laughs) that might be inappropriate. Also having another tab open so you can switch tabs. I mean, it brought all that stuff back, but I love how she very clearly doesn't know what to say, Yeah. but she's trying to figure it out because she is a human who has a sexuality and like what, I don't know. There was something endearing. Is that, or is that weird to say? about her like trying to, even just with this stranger that is, you know, it is a dangerous and inappropriate situation, but on her end, she's just trying to, you know, kind of feel things out and figure it out. And I thought it was kind of adorable. I don't know. I know. I think there, I think there's something there um, because I, I didn't grow up with parents who really, uh, Oh yeah, the, the sexual literacy in my household was not communicated towards me. So <laughs> I would just say like a lot of, I related to a lot of this sort of discovery through the internet. Um, yeah. I, I would hope it's better now. Um, but the other note I had on this was just the idea of also sharing computers, which is I think so foreign to young people probably who are watching this movie today. Like you just kind of had a family computer, right? And this camp has one computer and just like, I can't even imagine uh, kids even processing that idea. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, I think the equivalent now is that, you know, your messages, like if your kid has an iPad, you can limit who they can message Mm. or that the messages come to you as well. Like, I think there's some monitoring stuff built in, but yeah. And I, you know, in the, that opening scene where she's having that chat and someone sends her explicit photos. Um, when she clicks the monitor off, I did think to myself, well, that's not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So either she knows she's coming back next 
or there were some where like the power button was on the monitor. And I think maybe that's what we're meant to believe because they show the power button. Then when fast forward to she's at the church and I don't know why she, I guess because this rumor, the tossing salad rumor has just perpetuated. She's like, fine, I will just go look it up. But at that point, like she did, couldn't just Google it. She still had to go to a chat room, which is wild to me. Yeah. And she did the same thing. She shut the monitor off and they showed the tower and that the, the on button was still on. So I think it was just a different kind of computer than her house. And at her house, that would have solved the problem. That's my hypothesis. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. There's so much technology that has come since then, right? Like, because if you shut a computer off back then, I wasn't thinking about this, but like it pretty much cleared the deck of everything, right? Now, every all your tabs open and stuff. They'll right? all restore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and the viruses, oh, but that's oh, a different story. Different story, different day. Uh, just, I, I just want to touch on the technology a little bit uh, yes. throughout the film. Um, when they're explaining... Someone brings in like a MP3 player and he says he just got the Blink-182 CD of Enema of the State. And I was like, I was there and literally, I didn't realize it, but I was over at my dad's house maybe a month ago and someone there was like, oh, what's this? And it was that same MP3 player from this no movie. No way! I, I tried to get it to work. It didn't work. But it was RCA. It had like an SD card this big. And I was like, wow, that's a blast from the past there. Uh, yeah, so just the little things here. There, this is not like one of those in your faces. In your face, this is two thousand um, movies, but it's subtle and fun enough. Specifically, the internet stuff, the cell phone, and her playing Snake on it. Yes, I was just gonna say the little block cell phone <laughs> that you probably had for emergencies. Maybe you could text on those, but I don't think anyone was texting, right? Like that was like a high level function business people did, I think, <laughs> but. It was like you said, it was literally a phone for calling people and maybe it had one game. And like you said, for emergencies usually, right? Because it was reasonable, but that she didn't have a phone with her. And that's, and that's another thing I wanted to add too. I think maybe some younger people today might watch this film and be like, she has to give up her phone for the whole weekend. But back then that wasn't that big of a deal. Like I, I remember routinely trying to get in touch with my friends and... Oh, I went to my grandmother's house for the weekends and I left my phone at home, you know, because I was going to be with my family. Like, that wasn't weird at the time. Sure. When I was thinking about that, too, like, do they ask for that now? And I think you'd have to have it, like, written down yeah. and, you know, you'd have sign something. I think that you can certainly ask for folks to turn them off for whatever session you're having. But I don't think you can ask people to give like that maybe churches can i don't know do you know in in high school if they can do that these days or like like i i, I haven't been in a high school classroom in a while i don't know if it's such a good question i haven't in a while either i think you're not allowed to be actively using them but on the other hand there's an accessibility argument so like if someone had went out to record a lecture mm. um but i think you can't be you know certainly texting on them yeah, I need to I need to uh, ask somebody about that because I, and when I was in school, like you definitely like if if someone you could have a phone for before school or after school, but if someone saw like a teacher even saw a phone didn't even have to be on, they would confiscate it and they would right. make you they would make you you know take it at the end of class or whatever. Yeah, such a different world we're in today. Um, any other uh, 
I was going to say 90s, but any other 2000, year 2000 Well, I did want to finish the loop there. So, well, the phone, right? She gets in trouble for keeping her phone. And then she has to be the custodian or do custodial work for it. That's what gets her into the office to look up what does tossing salad mean? She still doesn't find out. But then the priest is upset that someone was using his computer to chat this illicit chats um and like she frames wade for it and i was just curious kind of sort of what what you thought about that in terms of our main character or i don't know i was just curious what you thought because that was a like she actively frames him she puts his his uh bracelet with his name on it that had fallen off in in the computer area it's interesting there's a couple things here that I, well i really enjoy this movie like i don't necessarily agree with everything in the film it was a little mean-spirited i didn't mind i think it was clear that like he sort of deserved it at a certain point um because most of the movie i'm thinking yeah yes they're clearly just blaming her they're not saying anything to him he's at this camp but it's not like Oh, what were you guys doing? It doesn't right. Wade, Wade, the other half of the rumor is at the camp with Alice. Yeah, and like at one point the priest is like, "Oh, how's your shot put game going?" You know, it doesn't seem like he's getting any discipline here at all. So at this point in the film, I was kind of like, "Yes, they're doing this, but this is like a cultural thing." Unfortunately, it's not necessarily Wade's fault. But then when she asks him, like, well, have you denied it to people? Like, what have you been telling people? Um, then I felt a little bit. I still don't think you should do something like that, especially since she like they both didn't do that. Like, I don't think he even perpetuated this rumor. I mean, I, I wasn't led to believe that. However, like I said, I didn't feel as bad because he didn't seem like a great guy. If that makes no, sense. yeah, I, I agree with you. I. I think, you know, she asked him and she asked him for help. Like she wa- she was trying to say like, we're in this together. And not only was he being rude there and like making her pick up his garbage, but the way I interpreted the scene, he was actively not denying mm-hmm. it. And not that he started it, but like that he must've been joking about it or, or something like it. He refused to be like on her team to say, no, this didn't happen. So it was, yeah, it was extreme, I thought, but also like, okay, if you're going to, like, if if you, Wade, are going to live in this world where, like, you're pretending to, I don't know, like, that this is okay, then I'll pretend that this is okay. <laughs> like, it was a little bit wild, but I also... I don't know. I was also like, okay, I'm, I'm still with you. I think it's something that then, you know, maybe when, you know, I met Alice in college and we talked about our formative years and we would laugh about it and she would say, oh my gosh, I feel so bad. I did this. But at the time it felt like he deserved it. You know, like, I don't know. It, it was a lot, but I also kind of loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm with, I'm with you on that. Um, Another moment I, I guess I want to discuss was when she ends up uh, running away towards the end of the movie. Yes! To that bar. It ends up being like a, I guess, a lesbian bar, it seems like, right? Yeah. Um, 
what do you think of, I guess, the conversation she has there? Because I do have some questions for you on it. Uh, I mean, I I loved this as as an escape, right? Because it's all it's all just too much, and and you have to add then like the hypocrisy of all the things, right? Um, she sees the two two of the leaders of the camp making out and having oral sex in the woods and no one so she sees that no one believes it but then at the same time she's the victim of this rumor that didn't happen that everyone believes and then that must be after the priest thing right yeah i think this is after she basically has evidence that everyone there this is not like one of those catch on the rye stories where everyone there's a hypocrite it's like angry but it's like um, she says it's just so confusing. Yeah, exactly. She's confused. She's so the, confused. the priest is looking at the porn. You already right. mentioned well, the couple. And that's also again, I think, yeah, if you can't you cannot masturbate at work. Like, that's not okay. And that's basically what the priest was doing. So yes, in frustration and just like this is all effed up, she runs away to a lesbian bar. I mean, she's very clearly a teenager, but that she orders a wine yes, cooler is also very 2000s to me. <laughs> and I was happy that they gave it to her. I really was. I mean, they shouldn't have, but so many shouldn't haves in this movie. Um, they draw the line when she tries to get another one. Go yes. It's, sorry, she denies she came from the camp, despite obviously being a teenager and having a, a shirt with the camp's name all over right. it, right? So it's like, it's, yeah, it's a really funny scene. And I feel like at this bar, they've seen this before, maybe mm-hmm. in different iterations. Maybe maybe sometimes they are truly lost or maybe they've come, you know, sharing literature or something, who knows? But I just love the way that the um, adult woman, and I don't, I don't remember her name, but the patron of the bar who somehow is in charge because the waitress... Or the bartender looks to the patron when she first, you know what I mean? Like, and she also says "my bar" at one point. Yeah, so, I don't so know maybe, if, so yeah. maybe she's the owner. Um, I mean, it was, it felt like that. That I know that feeling of relief of like someone else saying, "No, this is fucked up," you know. And I love the way um, Alice responded of just like you know, kind of you gave her a little, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, yes!" And it just it felt like such an exhale because we were so like buttoned up and inhaling the whole time. So I, I really liked that. And then I, but they didn't give her any more alcohol and they had to take her back. Like, okay, those things are, those things are true. And then that's where she finally finds out what tossing a salad means. <laughs> I love also that, the, that woman's reaction when she asked that, like, really, like, you know, they had a very, um, you know, a, a formative speech, right? Like they had a, they had a good conversation and it's like hey wait one more thing you know what's tall sale and she just laughs and then she tells her and then the look again on um alice's face when she hears that it's almost like this is what they've been it's telling so me. absurd yeah like what <laughs> you know? right when all the little things they went back and forth like tit for tat of all the little things that they thought would mean they would go to hell and and that i i definitely recognized that feeling um because i definitely had it growing up <laughs> And so, yeah, I just thought what a what a creative way to kind of pierce the facade of like the world she's grown up with. And then the, then the woman says, I thought of you when she said, look at colleges on the East or West Coast. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about that specifically um, as as someone who grew up in, I guess, not the coast. 
Mm-hmm. Look, I hear that. I specifically have heard that in reference to, to be honest with you, uh, LGBTQ youth. Sure. Right. Uh, I, I've heard, um, you know, oh, go to, you know, go to a city, like, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, right? Would you say that that take is accurate? Is it accurate? And was it accurate maybe in 2000? I, again, I'm from New York and I don't want to have that like, yeah, of course, Mm. come here. Everything's great here because it's also not. But yeah, I don't think it's that everything's great. I think it's that you are going to, um, I think she was saying, I encourage you to expand your horizons. If you feel like you don't fit in here, it doesn't mean you don't fit in. It just means there's somewhere else and that you are likely to find, you know, if you, if you want a different experience and to like meet different people and something brand new, you know, I, this is the time in your life where it would be great to go out and then you make a decision. Do you want to come back? Do you want to go somewhere else? Like, you know, rather than staying where, you know, the atmosphere doesn't fit for you. Yeah, that makes sense. It just, I've always been a little bit curious. I mean, maybe sensitive would be the word. Like, I know, again, I hate the generalization of, of geography. Um, there are people of all different opinions and... Of course. You know, everywhere in the country. But I guess when it comes to, unfortunately, electorally, that can be different, as we've seen, right? Like, sometimes you need to go to a safer space for you because right. of certain laws um so i don't know i would just want to ask as someone who again lives on a coast to someone who totally has not yeah and i definitely coast. had that i had said i wanted to go to the east coast for college for a while and then i traveled in um i did some traveling and then i was like oh east coast is really far away from montana I will go West coast instead, you know, like I think there, I think um, it is not an uncommon sort of idea. And it's also something she could say to her parents of like, I'm from Iowa. I want to try out something that's totally different and it not be like, I want to get away from you. And I want to get away from the church. It's like, I want to try being near the ocean, but also it allows her to get away from them and get away from the church. And so it's sort of an escape pod. Definitely makes sense. I want to talk about, so they you, they show us confession at the oh, beginning, yeah. which is so, God, I remember doing that. Ah. So there's, I, I went to one church until, I don't know, was it until high school? No, because it was until my brother was in high school, but we, we switched churches partway through. And that was, that was great. Cause I did have a priest that I really respected. And like, he was very much involved in things. Like I would see him um at like university talks and if there were peace protests and things like he was very active the one I had growing up was not and he was yuck and that was the one I had for first confession and he was like yeah because you were either sitting face to face like they were or you could kneel with the little like paper screen thing and he's like you can go behind the screen but I know who you are Jesus no pun right exactly (laughs) I was like oh that's gross so that and like having to sit there and just say these dumb things because you're a kid, like I didn't do the dishes or I whatever else, like so stupid. And I very, that was very familiar to me. And, but then kind of like with the bracelet, like 
she's a badass a little bit. <laughs> she so in that final confession, she doesn't say I caught you, but she says I saw XYZ and she like describes the illicit video he was watching. I thought that was super ballsy. Yeah. She's saying it in a way too where it's like obvious what's going on, right? I was a little worried when she was saying it that I don't know why my brain went here, but he was just going to think, oh, she must have watched the same video as me. But Oh, funny. Uh, but no, I mean, it's funny he that got he, it. He, knew. he got it and he gives her what, like 50 Hail Marys, 50. Right. Which is also, I feel like it just adds to the, everything is so preposterous at that point. Yeah. That I love that she just gets the fuck out of there. She's like, <laughs> no, I'm not doing this. Yeah, yeah. And her last speech at camp really like sort of echoes it. Everyone, I guess everyone has to go up and say something. And she's just something they learned about um, during their time there. Like it's supposed to be very, you know, this is why this camp is so good and so important. And she says like, you know, high school sucks. Like she literally says that. But one thing she said that I thought was cool was that like she goes and I wrote it down. What if we were honest and we treated each other with respect? That's what Jesus would have wanted, right? It's sort of using like the core message of the camp and of the school and of Jesus, if you will, <laughs> not to get into that, um, mm-hmm. against like the structure and everything they're putting on. It's And she calls people out in a way there that I thought was not mean-spirited there. Like I think Absolutely. it was more freeing in that I respect. Agree. So I, I love seeing that. And then... She's just really mean-spirited to two people, which is, uh, what's his name? The dude and the priest. Wade and the Wade. Wade. Yeah, no, I mean, it was very much to me like she gets to the bar and it's like confirmed that she sees the Matrix, right? So then she's coming (laughs) back and she's, you know, trying to express that to them without indicting the people that are following it. But just like, hey, we're all complex and we are all hypocrites, right? I think Nina is that the the camp the leader. Yeah, the one who her, her friend really looks up to. Yeah, so like both things can be true, right? The story she told about feeling unseen in her own home and like potentially neglected in her own home, like that, and, and feeling community there, like that can still be true. Just because she's also sucking dick in the woods doesn't negate the other, and I think that's part of what the Alice's speech was trying to say of like, we don't have to pretend we can just be people, but also could we, and then my commentary is, could we also talk about safe sex? <laughs> because yeah. that's frightening as well. Um, Cause we see her after the first confession, like fervently doing her 10 Hail Marys or 10 Our Fathers or whatever it was. And so then after the second confession where she just like fuck this and leaves and then goes home to watch uh, Titanic, to watch the sex scene in Titanic over and over again. And I loved how, so we, the part we didn't talk about was that while playing Snake on her cell phone, she realizes that she can use the cell phone's vibration as like in lieu of a vibrator. Uh, and we don't really see her do that a lot, but like she makes that connection, I guess. And so then the very last scene is her realizing that like her 
parents have a, I don't know, it looks like a sharper image, like shoulder massager yeah, thingy. Yeah. Um, but like we hear that make a buzzing noise. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. I was like, you get yours, sister. Just make sure you're listening for the door. <laughs> you're right. There's a lot of that sort of self-discovery here. Um, there's that scene with the broom when she does see. Oh my gosh. Yes. Broom humping. Yes. There's the broom, broom humping. Um, there's a couple of those moments there and I, which I think again, achieved like the vision that their director had when she was making this film. And it does also make the film feel like a personal project. There's a couple of, there's a couple of details in here that feel like they definitely come from uh, the director's own experience. And now, I could just be making this up, but when she does go home, right, and she actually goes to church with her father, and he seems like a, you know, her parents seem like fine, fine nice parents, right? Yeah. And on the way back, that's where she kind of starts talking about, like, oh, I might go to school on the East Coast and, or, or East or West or whatever. And he's like, oh, you know, you can go to state. We can still go to church together. And, or she even Right. Has- she doesn't say to him she wants to go that she types that in the computer, right? She says to him, like, what's going to happen when I don't go yes, with sir. you? Right? And and I love that he's like, well, maybe I'll go the later when some mom will come. Because it's like too early. And I totally get it. The mom's like, I'm busy. I work all week. I'm doing all this stuff. You go. I need an hour to myself. Like, I'm all for it. And then he says, well, state's only 40 minutes away. You could come home on the weekends. And it's like, I think that's where maybe a month ago he would have said that and she would have been like, oh yeah, good idea. Mm-hmm. But now that the seed is planted, it's like, yeah, okay. State's only 40 minutes away. <laughs> these same people, these same assholes who have spread this rumor about me are all going to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just, I like that it's, I like that it's open-ended. I love that moment. And I also, I love too that, just this, the family dynamic that they potentially have. Like, who knows why the mom's not going to church? Uh, you're probably right. But it's also telling you there that, like, it's not that serious in their household, at least from both uh, mm-hmm. mother and father, that she does, like, I don't think a break from the church is going to rock the boat so much. It seems like her father likes spending time with her, and that's, like, a big reason why uh, they go to church together like that. So it's almost to me like, you know, just to echo what you're saying, like confirmation, again, no pun intended, in yeah. terms, of, but in what she wants to do now. So this is like a huge movie of self-discovery in so many ways. And that's why I love it. And it's, again, only 77 minutes, really breezy. Yeah, it's a lot packed into a, a short amount of time. The only other note I had was, uh, you already mentioned it, the whole Titanic thing. I think it's hilarious because I've heard so many people say, like, that was such a, again, sexual awakening. Really? Movie, movie to the, like, that's like a, a very paused moment okay. in, people, in people's lives. Especially, like, women have told me this. No, uh, I, be- I believe it. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to think. I think I was overwhelmed knowing the boat was going to honestly. I mean, that's most um, of the film, right? Uh, it's not till the second tape, though. Oh, very true. Very, Let's oh, watch two, the first VHS. That two-tape thing. Um, oh, no, because man. I think for boys growing up, there's a lot of scenes you could pause, if you will, right? Right. Fast times. But yeah, As, that, that top of the list, right? And I mean, yeah. there's there's a lot of them, like 
there's that old joke of like VHS tapes at the rental store being worn out at particular places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I've heard, or I think, I, you know, I've read before that Titanic was, for whatever reason, one for women at the time. Yeah. Again, that's not my experience, obviously. But I will have to go back and watch that segment of it and see see if it does anything for me. I have not seen Titanic in a very long time. Um, no, that's on my to-do list now. All right. It's my turn to ask questions. Yes? Yes. All right. We have our our standard high school summer party AP questionnaire here. Let's get it started. Um, who was this movie made for, Brian? Um, I think... People probably, uh, teens who grew up in 2000, but also I think it would probably be cool for uh, teens today to watch it and just see the perspective. I think, again, it's such a movie of self-discovery that I think any teen can connect with watching this film because things are maybe different now, but not that different when it comes to the stuff that the film goes over. How about you? That's a good point. No, I agree. I think definitely the nostalgia piece is fun. Like you said, it's not a nostalgia movie, but there are those aspects like the type of phone and the, you know, AOL chat and what the computers look like and all that. Um, So yeah, I think folks that are familiar with that era or young people now to kind of see a a pre-social media coming of age. Um, Is it based on YA? No, true story here on, or semi-autobiographical by the director so no but yes and with the like you said the sort of pitch short proof of concept short yeah yeah um do we have a dead parent or a dead teen not obviously right i don't think so i when the nina the group leader was talking and she was talking about a car accident i thought we were barreling toward a dead teen and then it was sort of funny to me that it wasn't it was just mundane but it's another another level (laughs) uh that reminds me quickly i did love the scene when they were all um basically the adult in the or is it the or is it the no i forgot they're in like a small group and they have to talk about like something difficult something difficult which i never liked growing up i don't like now all that stuff is so unhealthy like that's the part i was watching like oh my god you're not you're not doing this right you know what i mean just asking people to lay themselves bare like that without professional guidance is just so dangerous for sure and but and i totally understand alice feeling the pressure to make up a sad story sometimes you don't want to share one sometimes you don't have one right and it's like yeah, so like I just want to bring that up. I did love that scene. Um, who's most likely to succeed? Who won this movie? I mean, this is such an Alice story. I think it's really hard not to say that it was Alice here. So unless yeah. you have a different opinion. No, absolutely. I think she, like we've discussed, shows she's got she's got what it takes. Uh, she has got some ruthlessness that I enjoy. And um, I look forward to, you know, I, in my mind, she does go to the West Coast because uh, that's the best coast and um, has a great time in college. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to defend the East Coast. I love the West Coast. I love <laughs> specifically the Northwest Coast. Absolutely. Um, next, the Wooderson Award. What character would you have liked to have seen more of? So I'm going to do a little caveat here with this one. I think they handled it right. I think it's such a uh, 
concise film that I don't know if there's anyone who needed a little bit more focus. But I did like how they weaved, and her name slipped my mind, they weaved that like girl, uh, quiet girl that uh, she ends up talking to at the end of the camp. Yes. And she just makes a new girl. friend. Yeah, the cat girl. She makes a new friend. And it's like, it just shows her that like, yeah, you can leave this circle and there are wonderful people who you haven't connected with yet. So would I have liked to see more of, like in my own selfish ways? Yes, I want to know more about her, but I, the movie I think handles it properly. Yeah. No, I agree. I I, I like having a, a shorter runtime because you've told the story well and like you're done. You know, that's, so I agree. I'm not trying to make it longer. I do think just for my own nostalgia, um, a, a movie from the perspective of of Chris, cool counselor Chris, who's <laughs> afraid of his own boners. I <laughs> I would like to see, yeah, his his wrestling with these topics, but also like how this world reacts to him, which is different than Alice, right? Because he's got a different status and whatever else, but um, you know, he's a microwave, not an oven, uh, <laughs> as they said, which honestly, like as a metaphor is not terrible in some ways, but the way they're using it is terrible. Especially also who is communicated from. Right. And that it's a, and then that it's Alice's fault. Yeah. Uh, in any yeah. way. <laughs> you know, I'm a microwave. Okay. The long duck dong award a character whose omission would make the film better. Again, it's so concise and so short. There wasn't anything that really I, you know, wanted to eliminate. Uh, did you have anyone for this one? I didn't. I was, yeah, I was sort of wondering what you were going to say. Um, I think, yeah, everything has its place in this particular story. Yeah. Let's leave it there. <laughs> um, extra credit assignment, recommending a classic teen movie. Um, to one of the characters in this film, what would you recommend? I had, I had so many, so many films in my head. I am going to say, I say this one a lot. You say this one a lot, but I'm going to say book smart because I feel like oh. Alice needed a book smart in her life at the okay. time. 2000, not a lot of book smart like films. Um, I think watching book smart would have been like, oh, there's more people like me. Right. So that's my pick. What about yours? Okay. I I went a slightly different way. I had trouble with this one, but um, Alice's best friend who then is like sort of abandons her to be with the cool kids. <laughs> I felt like she could use some support around being a better friend and female friendship. So I suggested that Alice's best friend in quotes, watch sisterhood of the traveling pants. <laughs> oh, like it, like it, <laughs> like, you know, to not have her head turned so quickly by, a, by a new shiny friend, like let's value the friendships that we have and, and be kind anyway. Love it. <laughs> um, Okay, report card time. We're very grade focused here on AP, um, as we should be. And so uh, it's time to give out grade uh, for this film. Um, for comparison's sake, Rotten Tomatoes gave a 93% by the critics. That's pretty, wow. I mean, great. Uh, and a 65% by the audience. Uh, three out of five on Letterboxd, 
and I think we typically say anything above a three is, you know, three or above is, is a favorable grade. Brian, uh, using our old school high school grading system between A plus and F, what would you give? Yes, God, yes. Caveat to that Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, yeah. I'm always skeptical of the critical score on movies that attack Christianity in any way, even that if that attack is perceived because... Oh, interesting. They're usually pretty low. Um, 65% is not bad compared to some of the other films. Or... I don't even want to say the Christianity thing, somewhat relatedly, but we've seen with like LGBTQ stories or stories with, with trans people that those, or abortion specifically, abortion focused uh, films, those will get like 10% in Rotten Tomatoes because some group decides to bombard it. So it's hard for me to take those scores or even the 93% and like gauge where I'm at. So I, I wanted to truly throw the, all those away and say, I gave this film a solid uh, B plus. Like I really enjoyed it. Um, it was really breezy. Uh, I breezy is a bad word for it. It was efficient, right? Seventy seven minutes of a lot of cool stuff in it, and I could relate. I could relate to it in a lot of ways. Um, so B plus, Iceland. What about you? I um, I was I was feeling generous, and I gave it the A. Um, nice. Is it perfect? No, but. I think it has kind of clear goals, clear perspective and gets things done efficiently. Like we've said, it's, um, you know, a shorter movie. I'm going to love any movie that is, you know, a love story between a young woman and her vagina. So, you know, it definitely is um, in my uh, higher grade list for that. And I think the performances were, were just really compelling. And, and I think everybody in it's, you know, clearly a smaller movie and it seems like everybody belongs in that world. And sometimes that's hard to do. Um, so yeah, I'll give it an A. I love movies that I know exactly who I would recommend them to. And this, mm. this is one of them. So and I, I was teetering on the A plus to B minus. I feel like I've been giving out a lot of A's recently, but maybe I'll switch to A minus. I don't know, but oh, your yeah. A, your A's. Okay. Your A solidifies that, so I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, so we're getting ready for our high school slumber party slumber party. What does your Yes God Yes themed sleeping bag look like? This one was easy to me. Okay. I want a Titanic themed sleeping bag. Oh, nice. You know, just typical, exactly what you would picture a Titanic themed sleeping bag, which is on brand. Yes. The ship, the font. Maybe some Leo and Kate in the corner or something, yeah. you know, just a lot of stuff. Billy Zane, who knows? Kathy Bates. We'll throw them all on there. Um, so oh, what's your sleeping bag look like? Okay. Mine um, is uh, very Catholic. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there are a couple, there are a few close-ups on like crucifix or all, or like religious art where, all the people are naked, but the um, everything is covered with leaves and things. So that would be on the outside. And then when you open the sleeping bag, it's instead of all the covering, people are just like naked and having fun. Like not, not like an orgy, but just like celebrating and like happy versus the like super religious imagery on the front. I like that because I, I, you see some of the uh, art, like art associated with the Catholic Church, as you mentioned, 
in the film. But, you know, in those the times when religion was everything in painting in Europe, uh, you would see paintings exactly what you're talking about, right? They'd be like, no, 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 this is this is what heaven looks like or this is this is Eden. That's our excuse to paint you know naked ladies and stuff or yeah. naked dudes and, and um so yeah i really do love that design i love so when you like, do the, in, the inside outside thing the, yeah i do like to do that it's a you know the freedom uh or or kind of you know mullet style business on the front party and the, <laughs> the inside there okay we've got our sleeping bags now we get to go to the mythical um blockbuster with every movie ever in it um they're running a special as they always do for us rent two movies get one free uh, what two films would you pick to go with Yes, God, Yes for your mythical slumber party? Ooh, actually, this one, I had a bunch, but I'm yeah, gonna... so many. So that that's good. We both have a bunch of. So my biggest fear was taking one of yours. Um, oh, I got backups. I got backups. So on as backup. long as you have backups, I'm just good to go. The, the top two on my list then. Um, the first one. Uh, one we covered early in the high school slumber party run. I think a lot of people, when they looked up this film or I told them about this film, they're like, have you seen this movie? And the movie is 2004's Saved with Mandy Moore. And... Mandy Moore, Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, that was... Jenna a... Malone. Jenna Malone. I love Malone. that movie so much. Great film. I haven't seen it in a while. Definitely want to track it down and watch it again. That is, you know, chef's kiss. People don't talk about that film enough. I agree. The second film on my list is another film that I really love that we've already covered on High School Slumber Party during our cheer lap. And that was But I'm a Cheerleader. Yep, definitely one of mine. It deals with camp, right? That's a conversion camp, a little different. There's also an escape at that point, right? Great movie. One of my favorite teen films. So saved and But I'm a Cheerleader. So Aislinn, what two movies are you renting? I love it. So absolutely. I had thought about saved and then I, I didn't pick it. But I'm a cheerleader was in my top. But since we're already watching that, I'm going to go a little bit different way. Um, so one that I think goes well with all of these um, is Jesus Camp, which is a documentary. Hmm, I haven't seen Early 2000s that um, I watched a lot. I did a lot of my graduate work was around um, gender and conservative religion. And so... Um, I watched that documentary many times and yeah, it's goes right in line with all these things. Um, and then thinking more about uh, the Titanic of it all in this movie, I am going to uh, also add camp nowhere. Uh, it's also camp, but for me, it wasn't like, titanic for her like it wasn't i wasn't i wasn't jerking off to this movie <laughs> um but definitely i was rewinding at the very end to see the kiss because i was so i just wanted someone to kiss me it's all i ever wanted and at the end there's a couple of great kisses that they really like worked toward the whole summer and it was just like there's something i think so beautiful about that like that level of innocence but still like the beginning of exploration and so to sort of um pay tribute to that pre-awakening it's like you're not really awake you just sort of opened one eye i will add camp nowhere to the list it's such a i haven't seen the movie in a while but yeah that's a i i'm you've taken me back and you've like reminisced on you made me reminisce on like that time and just 
just early feelings, right? Yes. Like, or, like it's it's such a interesting and it's a fun time to look back on. So uh, maybe not for everybody, but I guess you know the nostalgia yeah. bug is hitting me right now. So <laughs> yeah, that's a great pick. That's a great pick. Another pick that I think that a lot of people I didn't want to pick it because I feel like we also mentioned this film a lot and we've covered it. But another film that when you like. Google this one. Lady Bird is almost always suggested with oh, this film. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, she goes to Catholic school. She ends up wanting to leave her hometown, stuff like that. So woman writer, director, right? So like there are a lot of similarities there, but I think we have That's some awesome picks as well here. And, and it, just curious, anything else on your list that you didn't mention? Because we could just throw out these suggestions if you have them, but if not, that's totally cool. I mean, in com- I don't, I wouldn't, in comparison, it did make me think of the to-do list. Oh, yeah. Also, uh, a woman-led film and that sort of coming of age and, and discovery, but but absent the religious aspect. So mm. it's, you know, it's very different, but also had kind of the nostalgia piece. So I, I thought about it a couple of times. Um, yeah. And honestly, any, <laughs> any film, um, any AP film we talk about where... Um, there's a strong woman lead. I always think of blockers. So, I mean, we don't have to say blockers every week, but maybe we do because it's so great. <laughs> it was such an unexpected great one, you know? Yeah, that's the best way to put it, right? Like that, I did not have any expectations going into that. And I was like, wow. Like, um, top, top film of the AP era, if you will. So anything else we need to say on Yes, God, Yes? No, I mean, I think we have um we've hit all of it just encourage folks to watch it if you haven't it's um it's a good one great so once again uh you know check out other episodes of uh, high school slumber party and the other shows that we happen to host or co-host i also co-host uncle francis's wine cellar where we talk about the films of francis ford coppola and some of the family members as well High School Slumber Party proper has other episodes, like not AP episodes, that are still fun to listen to. Eisen, you've been on some of those as well. And of course, you're a co-host of The Contenders. Hey, absolutely. Contenders that I co-host with Tobin Addington and then a a short series called uh, Why Aren't We All? Um, If you want to listen to something that was (laughs) pre-pandemic in a a different world. Yeah, go go to cageclub.me and you can find all the great Cage Club shows.
It's over. Go home. Go.